If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number three, Genesis chapter number three. And men, let me just remind you, if you're coming to the men's conference, make sure you bring your Bibles. Make sure you bring your Bibles. And we've got people coming from Nevada, I think Oregon, all over California. It's just going to be a great, great meeting. So we're in Genesis chapter number three, Genesis three. And if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to take it out of your hand and put it in a purse or put it in a pocket, that would really honor the Lord tonight, uh, excuse me, this morning. Genesis chapter 3, I want to uh, look, at, look at just a couple of verses here. Genesis 3, of course, is the temptation chapter. Uh, some people call it the fall of man chapter where the perfect environment with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and uh, Satan comes in the form of a snake and tempts them and, of course, uh, lies to them and so forth. But Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. It's kind of an interesting thing. You know, that started many years ago, blame shifting, uh, uh, excuses. And so Eve takes the fruit and God says, so what did you do? And she said, the devil, you know, this snake calls me to do it. And uh, uh, he looks at Adam and says, what are you doing? And he says, that woman you gave me. And by the way, it usually is the woman's fault. And uh, uh, things are coming out right now. I can see it. But, uh, and he said, it's the woman. Then the woman said, no, it's the snake. And the snake had no one to blame. So all that blaming and excusing, uh, that's as old as the human race, thousands of years. And it comes so natural for all of us. And so notice what uh, she said, though, the serpent beguiled me. We don't use that word a whole lot. And then I want to read in the New Testament. You need not turn there. But it's in 2 Corinthians 11.3, almost the same uh, wording. And it says, But I fear, lest any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I want to speak this morning on this subject, battling the beguiler. Battling... He's probably calling right now. Who's he calling? Battling the beguile her. And here we are getting close to Halloween. We got the witches up. We got the skeletons up. We got the demons everywhere. We've got bats flying. We've got uh, uh, murdering on television and horror movies and uh, hundreds of dollars worth of decorations and yards. And we've got cemeteries with hands coming out of the dirt. I mean, it's sometimes... Kids come to our church and they say, y'all scared them. Y'all mentioned the word hell. And I almost feel like saying, have you looked at your front yard during Halloween? We scare people. And uh, so I rang a doorbell and it was a witch laughing at me uh, yesterday. Uh, I rang another doorbell. It was a cat. And I could tell it's a black cat just by the sound of it. But that, but that cat meowed at me. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it is everywhere, everywhere. And I'm not preaching against candy today. So, so just kind of loosen up a little bit. Let's pray. Father, bless now this time we have. Help us as we try to have victory in our lives. It is so easy to be beat up and 
have defeat and, and we just can't uh, get a victory and can't serve you, it seems. And uh, I just pray that at the end of the message, someone would say, I heard something that's going to help me. Please bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Halloween was not a major holiday. It was just a day during the week where kids who rarely ever got candy got candy for free because our parents were not as rich as your parents and our parents never, ever bought candy. It was a once a year thing. You earned it at Halloween. And then you would come home if you had a brother like I did and you'd spread out all of your treasures. And then you would say, I'll give you one Kit Kat for one Milky Way. Now, okay, I'll give you uh, a Kit Kat for a uh, uh, for a uh, one of those almond uh, an almond joy. Oh, and I'll give you one of these uh, slow pokes that pulls your teeth out for a little box of milk duds. And man, all the trading stuff. Uh, is anyone old enough to remember? I mean, uh, okay. And, and uh, you know, and then you know, your parents, you can only eat 20 a day and half the bag's gone the next day because they trust you to put the bag in your room. And, and, and then some of you worked on bus routes and your parents took all your candy and said, the bus kids will love this. And, you know, his tears are coming down your cheeks like, oh, I just, I, I just donated all mine to the church bus ministry. Uh, back in my day, you didn't buy outfits. You made your own. And uh, I still remember I had a black leather jacket and my mother made me some of those sideburns. I look, look almost identical to Elvis Presley and you can see the resemblance. And she made me some little sideburns. And I mean, that was it. All of about two minutes and I was decorated, ready to go. We started um, uh, trick-or-treating about 3 p.m. Because, you know, we were afraid of the dark, so we needed to get our first three or four hours in. You know, the whole neighborhood till, till people, kids, it's time to go home. And that's just kind of what we did. But I realized this, during, during Halloween, and if you study the roots, it really is satanic, much of what's going on today. And we all have three enemies. If you're a Christian, you've got three major enemies and you're fighting them, and they're attacking you constantly. One is the world. We would call that peer pressure. There is a system that wants to pressure you into walking, talking, thinking, spending, uh, uh, being just like them. And we all want to be our own person, and when we do that, oftentimes, we're just like everybody else. Second, there's another enemy, and of course, that's the flesh. That's our old self. Uh, it's not the devil, it's the person we look at the mirror and see. That's the one we battle. The one that gets cut off in traffic and says, you cut me off, uh, I'll help you reap, I'll cut you off. Uh, you make an obscene gesture, I can make two obscene gestures. And uh, uh, I can key your car because you keep, and, and man, it just, man, it, that flesh is ugly. It says things and does things that you never ought to do. And then we have another enemy, and he's the hard one, and that's the devil. Just his name itself, devil, means enemy. He has many names, Satan, deceiver. And we'll talk about him just a little bit. It just seems like he shows up everywhere. 
Genesis 3, the perfect environment, Adam and Eve, perfect marriage. They're walking with God and he's there. Then we see a great family and the greatest leader of his day, Job. He's got 10 kids. He prays for them. He loves God. He, uh, he's an example. God brags on him. All right, let's go and grab a seat now. Help us, ushers. Uh, we're not walking all the way down, all the way back, all the way. Just, just right there in the back. It'll be good. Thanks. And, and so here's Job, this great leader. And what happens? Satan attacks him, kills all of his kids, takes his health, attacks his marriage. And, and there's Job for a year going through that trial. Just seems like he's everywhere. Jesus starts his ministry. He gets baptized and then he's led of the spirit to be tempted of the devil. Jesus is hungry, 40 days, no food. He's in the wilderness with the wild animals, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, Satan's there. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, he just doesn't let up. Have you noticed? And then in the book of Revelation, the rapture takes place and we're out of here. Want all the teenagers listening. The rapture takes place, we go up, and guess who pops up? A Satan-possessed world leader, the Antichrist. And guess what he's doing? Soon as he can, he's persecuting the Jews. He's after it again. Uh, this thing, the Hamas, it's no new thing. And it's, uh, 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 Satan has always hated God's word, God's people, God's land. He's always hated them. And so there is that. And then we're up in heaven and, and Satan's duking it out with these people. And then the last we see of Satan is Revelation 19 where God says the bottomless pit is opened up and the false prophet and the antichrist and the devil is cast into the lake of fire. End of story. And I just want to say this by way of introduction. We win. We win. Sometimes you feel like, man, he's getting away with it and evil's winning uh, on the scoreboard, but we're not even in the last quarter yet. We're not even in the overtime yet. Uh, it's not going to be long when they post the score. God will win this thing. He will win this thing. He hates everything about God. He hates his name, his glory, his book, his church, his children. His evil has no limit as proven in recent days by Hamas. Have you noticed? Why are we shocked when the devil fills people and controls people and they do horrific crimes? It's how he is. He knows his time is running out. Even the demons in Jesus' presence said, do not torment us, here's the quote, before the time. Satan and his demons realize there's coming a day when they will be tormented for all eternity. And they know time is running out. That's why more and more evil, we'll say more about that later on. He revises his plan daily. His goal, destroy you. Not just physically. If he can't kill you physically, destroy your marriage. Destroy your good name. Destroy your testimony. Destroy your power of God. Destroy your influence for good. That's his goal. He's after your kids. He's after every marriage in this room. He's after every single parent. He's after every veteran Christian who's been saved a long time and every newborn Christian that recently accepted Christ. He is after you. I had a little 
clip I heard several, several months ago. I want you to hear this. Paul Harvey, some of you old time people would remember his name. Can we go ahead and get that played right now? It'll come up. Get this, 1965. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, V. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth, I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Wow. Amazing, huh? Well, I guess he's just kind of stuck to his plan, hadn't he? Just kind of has. So, Pastor, what are, some, what are some things I can look out for then? How is he going to be attacking me and my family? I want to give you these quickly. We've only got just about 12 minutes or so. Number one, how can you tell it's him? Deceiving. Deceiving. 
Eve was deceived, the Bible says in Revelation 12, 4, and the deceiver of the whole earth or the whole world. He deceives. On the news uh, this week, Iran said Hamas had nothing to do with the attack on Israel. There's a lot of people that are deceived. Deceived. All you have to do is watch the news and you'll see people that are deceived. Deceiving. That's what he does. Number two, quickly. All right, in the back, help us. What are we talking about? Okay, any teenagers need to talk to the pastor? Okay, we don't just, okay, okay, that's good right there. Thank you. Number two, lying. Lying. In the Garden of Eden, Satan looked at Eve and said, Ye shall not surely die. And it was a half truth. She didn't die immediately, but her spirit died. So not only does he deceive, but he's, he's all about lying. He lies about creation. Maybe we evolved. He lies about God. Maybe there is no God. He lies about yourself and tells you you're unimportant. You're not made in the image of God. You don't matter. He lies about God's word and tells us it's got mistakes. He lies about the reaping of sin that you'll never reap. That You can do this and you'll never reap it. He's a liar. What lies has he been telling you? Oftentimes I'll lead someone to Christ. After they get saved, I'll say, they get ready. As soon as I leave, there's going to be a little voice in your head tell you, you didn't get saved. You didn't mean that. God wouldn't save you. He's a liar. He's constantly doing that. Number three, deceiving, lying, fuming. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. One way you can tell the devil is around and attacking is this. When you're fuming, when you're angry and you're out of control, that's when he says, say some mean things. Just speak your mind and say what you're thinking. Be careful. Nothing destroys like anger. He's all about fuming. You get upset at someone. You go to bed at night. You think about it. You fume and fume and fume. You wake up the next morning. You're more angry about that thing and it doesn't go away. You can tell he's around quickly doubting. Throughout scripture, you'll see in the Garden of Eden, he said, yea, hath God said, where God puts a period, Satan always puts a question mark. Uh, doubting. Uh, am I really saved? I know I accepted Christ, but am I really saved? Is that really in the Bible? When Jesus was tempted, he said, if thou be the son of God, there's that word if. He's, he's, he's full of doubting. Number five, dividing. Dividing. He said, a house divided shall surely fall. Satan tries to divide mates with mates. He tries to divide parents from the children, tries to divide God's people from their God, tries to divide church members from each other. He is a divider. Not only that, he's accusing. He's the one that when you do sin, he tempts you to sin, you do it. Then he says, now what kind of person are you? He's the one accusing, you're a failure, God will never use you, uh, who do you think you are, uh, why, why should you sing in the choir, why should you serve the Lord? He's an accuser, that's what he does. He tricks us, then he accuses us and tells us we're not worth anything. And that's one of his tactics. Not only that, priding. 
That's, hey, that's a new word. How you like that? That's like some of these new invented poly, uh, political words. Uh, he's priding. The Bible says he is king over all that all the children of pride. Job forty one thirty four. Um, you'll see it today if you watch pro football. You ever see someone score a touchdown? I'm not against celebrating. Uh, that's why I'm so little. I celebrated so many touchdowns I made when I was in the NFL. Uh, anyway, but sometimes you'll see those guys beat on their chest. Careful. You want to be the one that points up and says, hey, thanks a lot. Not the one who's always pointing to themselves, priding. Look what I did. Look what I've accomplished. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, that's the beginning of Satan. He was an angel at one time in heaven. Five times he said, I will ascend up to the heavens. I will also sit on the throne. I will. Five times he says, I will. And God says, because you've had pride and iniquities entered your heart, you will be kicked out of heaven. I will pride. Number, number next, rebelling. The Bible says rebelling is as the sin of witchcraft. Here's what happens. Listen, uh, the Bible says, and let me get the reference uh, proper, Ecclesiastes 10, 8. He that breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Every, every one of us has leaders that are responsible for us. If we're a teenager, we've got parents. Maybe we've got teachers. Maybe we've got people we look up to, maybe coaches, people you've put over your children that make a circle around them. And the Bible says that is a protection. Anytime you've got leadership around you that keeps you safe, but anytime you step out from that hedge, and the word hedge is the same word as head or leader, he said, and a serpent shall bite them. Satan is just waiting for anyone to step out of their safety entourage that's protecting them. He just wants them to step out, and that's it. So rebelling is always something that Satan is wanting. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Your parents don't know everything. That teacher doesn't know anything. Uh, who's God to think he can tell you what to do? You know what's best. Do your own thing. So all this rebelling sets us up to be attacked by Satan. He even says in the Old Testament, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Not a one of us would probably be okay with our children hanging a cat, slitting its throat, dancing around the room with candles and some satanic seance. But if we're not careful, we'll let them give us that look. That look that kills. That rebellious statement. That rebellion in the home. We'll let them get away with that when we wouldn't the other. Let's keep going. It's real quiet here. Keep going. Tempting. Satan cannot read our minds, but he does know human nature. And here's what the word tempt simply means. He says in James, let no man say when I am tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted as he's drawn away and enticed by his own lust or desire. Here's what temptation is. In my heart, I want this. So Satan says, 
Here's an open door. There it is. I know what you want. And some of our desires are not evil, but as Satan sees what we really, really, really want, that's going to be the area he tempts us in. Here it is. I wish I was popular. Oh, he'll give you that. He'll give you that with what comes with it. Well, I'm just so lonely. If I just had a husband, if I just had a wife, if I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I would be happy. He goes, really? I've got a whole line of people I'd like to tangle you up with. And he's just got it there. It's interesting. The timing of temptation. How can you tell he's attacking? Not only tempting, perverting. Here's another one, confusing. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion, so I wonder who is. I wonder who, which bathroom do I go in? Confusing. Okay. Forget it. I didn't mean to, 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 to confuse you there. Uh, number next, friending. Friending. Who does, who does Satan use when he tempts? Oftentimes, friends. Well, I was just 14 and I went out and got drunk. By yourself? You just left home and walked into a liquor store and bought some liquor and just got drunk? Really? Is that how it happened? Well, I got high on marijuana years ago. So... So was that all by yourself? You just walked down the street, found a lid of marijuana and un unwrapped it, rolled the joints and lit them up. You just, you just smoked four or five and... No, no, no. A friend. A friend. Hey, Adam, you'll love this fruit. A friend. The Bible says, and Satan entered into Judas. And in the garden, Jesus came up to him and said... Friend, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? He uses people. Sometimes it's a relative. Sometimes it's a co-worker. Sometimes it's a neighbor. Sometimes it could be someone at church. Sometimes it could be an ex-friend, an ex-boyfriend. But, but he uses people. It was Simon Peter looked at Jesus and Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified and rise three days later. And he says, don't talk about that. Here's what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. So he recognized that Satan was using Simon Peter. All right, well, enough of this. How do you get the victory, Pastor? All right, all right, it's true. Man, I'm being beat up by the devil and I've had a lot of defeat. How can I get the victory? So I win. Well, I want to give you this promise, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So it's not God, Satan, you. no. It's God, it's you who has Jesus Christ living inside of you. And Satan under there. Greater is he. If you've accepted Christ as your savior, God himself lives inside of you with all of the power that he has. And he is great. So what can you practically do? Number one, recognize him. Recognize him. Recognize him. Jesus said, get behind me. Who are you again? No, he said, Satan. You got to recognize when he's present. Number next, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, I've never been in warfare. They didn't want me in the military. I couldn't breathe good and I couldn't walk. You know, only two minor things, flat feet and asthma. 
But I know this about the military. I've talked to people in battle. They say, stay low. You're crawling. You're in the foxholes. You're not standing on your tiptoes to see if you can see the enemy better. You got to get low. God, God says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. The way up is down. You want to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Pride puts a target on you. I will, I will. I'm better than someone else and you're criticizing someone and I don't need you. So I'm not going to read your book this week. I'm not going to spend time with you. I'm not even going to talk to you. I got it covered. You're getting a target on you. I love that old Patch the Pirate song, Lord, I need you. And we need him. We need him every day. We need him to raise kids. We need him just to live. We need him to go to work. We need him in our country. We need him in our church. We need the Lord. You want to humble yourself. How do you do that? Learn to say the words, I'm sorry, a lot. Learn to say the words, I have sinned, a lot. And how about this one? I was wrong. You say, Pastor, those aren't English words, are they? I've never heard them before. Humble yourself. Number three, or whatever this is, resist him by your schedule. Resist the devil. How do you do it? Have such a busy schedule, you don't have time to get in trouble. We've always said it. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Benjamin Franklin said, no fly lands on a moving fan. (laughs) If you're busy... He's going to have a hard time getting you to do anything. Was that Albert Einstein that had a watch with no hands on it? Someone said, Albert, no hands on the watch. He said, I pulled them off. No matter what time it is, it's time to work. They asked him, they said, what sins tempt you? He said, sin, I don't have time. Parents, keep your teenagers busy. Well, they just can't sleep. They've got uh, uh, sleep issues and uh, they're going to a, a sleep doctor. If they work hard enough, they will drop in that bed and not arise till the next morning. Okay, moving right along. It's football time. Resist by schedule. Number next, resist by scriptures. That's the key, folks. Jesus is being tempted by the devil. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What he said was, I've got a shield here and it's the word of God. I'm going to quote it. Whatever I need, I'm going to quote God's word. That resists the devil in your life. Whatever areas you're weak in, whether it's drugs or alcohol or temper or depression or whatever it is, you memorize scriptures in that area And when you're down and he's attacking and shooting those darts in your mind, you quote those scriptures out loud and he leaves. And it said, and he left Jesus for a season. The devil doesn't like to hear a lot of scripture. He's going to leave. You say, pastor, man, this sounds like a lot of work. Staying alive in a battle is probably a lot of work. But it's worth it. It's worth it. You don't just give in. Get saved. 
Recognize his presence. Humble yourself. Resist by your schedule. Resist by scriptures. Two more. We're done. Clean house. You say, what do you mean? Clean your house? No, that's not what I mean. In Acts chapter number 19, the apostle Paul is preaching at a city. And it said when he got finished preaching that the people brought their curious arts and magics. If you study it all out, it meant they were involved in witchcraft. Magic, witchcraft, seances, Ouija boards, whatever you want to call it. Drugs associated with that too. Pharmacia, pharmaceutical, sorcery, hexes, trances, crystals. And they, and they brought all these things to the apostle Paul and they said, what should we do with it? He said, burn them. Now, folks, sometimes what happens is we get saved out of a lot of weird stuff. Weird religions, idols, satanic things we've accepted. Get this, our church in Louisiana named one of the buses after a ghost. What were they thinking? And a lot of this Disney stuff, if it's on Disney, it's okay. You know Disney's inspired. You know, it's one of the books of the Bible. M-I-C... Dub? Uh, okay. I'm just saying, it's time God's people had enough sense where you looked at a video and said, this isn't staying at our house. Nope, this isn't coming to our house. No, this promotes uh, uh, evolution. Billions and billions of years ago. Okay, we're throwing that in the garbage. And and this takes God's name in vain. We're throwing that in the garbage. And and this little girl doesn't have enough clothes on to make a bikini, so we're throwing that in the garbage. And and no, no, this is a guy coming back from the dead. We're throwing this in the garbage. There's 19 murders on this one. We're throwing that. Hey, we probably ought to clean house a little bit. You wonder why your kids have nightmares and can't sleep at night? Just look at what they're watching on video and look at the movies they're watching and listen to the music they're listening to. Some of that doesn't belong in a Christian's house. Amen. When a lady came to me years ago, her husband had passed away, killed in a car wreck, and she had collected Buddha statues. Every time he traveled, he'd buy her some Buddha statues, salt and pepper shakers, this and that. She had a whole collection of Buddha. Buddha was a false prophet. He wasn't from the Bible. A false religion. She came to me and she said, Pastor, this is all I have to remember my husband from. All these Buddha statues. I said, do what you want to do. I said, but I know what the Bible says. No idols. She threw them away. I found them in the garbage, sold them on eBay. That's why I got a new car. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. If we took the whole church to your house right now, well, number one, some of you would have a heart attack and be, ah, give me a year. And we just walked in and just, and just looked. Would it look like a Christian home? Would there be commandments on the walls? Bible verses on the walls? Or a Coors sign on the wall? Or Marilyn Monroe half naked on the wall? Or Mickey and Minnie Jagger on the wall? Or Taylor Slow on the wall? 
trying to get you to think. Forget it. Go drink some coffee. How's your house look? What's the music in your house and on your television? What's your ringtone? Pastor, you're way off now. I know Halloween's coming. I got to say a lot of stuff. I've knocked on doors where there's witch brooms right next to the front door. Knocked on one door that a statue of the Virgin Mary, that Buddha. Then they had the, the Jewish symbol on the door. I said, Buddha, Mary, Jewish symbol. I said, what's up? They said, just in case. <laughs> you need to figure out who you're worshiping. You can't, you can't buy everyone. Collect them all. It's just like a... If you're a Christian, have a Christian home. I'm just saying, from time to time, you probably ought to walk through the house and say, would Jesus want this in the house? Would Jesus want this picture? How about this movie? How about this music? Let's open the closet. Would he want me wearing this? Would he want this person's picture on my shirt with their lifestyle and what they believe about God? I'm just saying from time to time, whether probably just go through the house and say, this goes on the trash, this goes on the trash, that goes on the trash. Where did we get this? Somebody loaned it to us. I don't know why they loaned us that. And this shouldn't be here. And we're not doing that. And no, we're not doing that. And no, you can't have that on your wall. And parents, do you pay rent? Parents, do you pay the house payment? You can decide what comes in your house and what doesn't. Your kids do not run the home. No matter how old they are, you decide what's in that house. Amen. The end. <laughs> how do you resist him? I'm done with this. The word of your testimony. Revelation 12, 9. And they defeated the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You want, oh, Satan to flee? Get out, your, get out of your head, get out of your life. Start telling people your testimony about when you got saved. He doesn't want to hang around. Did you hear? 53 years ago, someone came to my house. They told me Jesus loved me. I got on my knees, accepted him as my savior. I'm going to heaven. The devil hates that. You talk enough about Jesus and he will flee. You can win the battle. I'm just saying, you can win the battle, but you're going to have to fight. Paul said, fight the good fight. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. And it's time for the pastor to be done.